Christina Cardam is a financial consultant and educator. Spent eight years working in Europe and banking, predominantly in Switzerland. Uh, Christina, thanks for joining us. And uh, what is life like at the moment uh, in Switzerland, maybe Europe, compared to, say, Australia? Mm. Thank you, Mike, and good evening to you. It's relatively normal. Uh, I was surprised when I got over about five weeks ago when I landed on the ground because I expected something similar to what's been happening in Australia, and yet the streets are full, cafes are overloaded, um, overflowing. People are wearing masks inside and on public transport, but there seems to be a a sensibility, and um, people are returning to life here. It is a tale of two worlds, though, Different countries have different uh, restrictions in place. So Switzerland still feels like a a safe place to be. And again, relatively normal compared to what I uh, saw in Australia when I left. I couldn't imagine uh, Switzerland being closed for too long. I mean, they love their lunches and their food (laughs) and uh, plenty of nice cheese there with cows walking along the uh, the roads with those bells is that right that's right that's right so i lived in switzerland for five years and i have to say that um it was a very it's it's very peaceful and people tend towards i guess a, a harmony um there's unity there's there's little separation here and they do like to enjoy you know spent some time in the mountains with friends and we didn't talk about we said we won't talk about the c word at all and we really enjoyed the day Mm. Um, and I think that, that people really just want to get on with it and they mm. want to get on with life while taking into account the risks and, and protecting the vulnerable, especially those who have people who are vulnerable at home. It's all about, I, I would imagine at the end of the day, how your mind is, because at the moment uh, in, in Australia, there's a, a fair amount of oppression. And we feel depression and we go into some dark places. Uh, me, for example, mm-hmm. I do that sometimes because I look around me and I get quite depressed on what's happened to our society. Can you tell us about your interest and involvement in mental health? Of course. Um, Mike, you and I are the same, and I think most people listening will be impacted by mental health issues in their lifetime, if not already have been in the last 18 months. Um, By the way, the United Nations has already recommended that all countries plan for a response to the mental health consequences of the pandemic. So that says a lot. Um, My interests are are, are quite broad and I'm the chapter chair of uh, the Byron chapter, Byron Bay chapter of Mind Medicine Australia, which is a charity that seeks to alleviate the suffering caused by mental illness. Um, I've seen firsthand what mental mental health issues do within communities not just individually and it costs us you know taxpayers billions a year so the latest figure for 2019-2020 published by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare reported 10.6 billion dollars spent on mental health um, in the previous year I wonder what that figure will be this year and the year after too because it becomes just worse and worse it's like this uh snowball rolling down the uh, the top of a mountain and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger how do we how do we address it i mean i mean we're sort of getting off script already but how would you address this this snowball because you don't want it to cause Mm. an avalanche do we yeah so 
I think the the coping mechanisms that people had previously, socialising, being able to go outside, um, being part of, feeling the belonging in community, being part of something, it's been taken away and the anxiety that was previously there is now come to, to the surface. What I've seen that has worked is when people have worked with a professional, um, whether it's a counsellor or or a psychologist, or even working with someone in in the um, wellness industry to help them find ways to to cope. So really meeting it head on, not burying our heads in the sand because it won't go away. We need to find a way to make us uh, to to feel better um, long term, not quick fixes. So that glass of wine in the evening. That's really not going to do anything for you long term. But it tastes Although, good. It does taste good. It does taste good. But we have to be aware that these uh, these issues can really fester and grow. And so what this charity, for example, Mind Medicine Australia seeks to do is to cure and not just alleviate the symptoms of mental health um, and, its, and its consequences. We spoke to a guy called Dave Rubin, would have been a year and a bit ago. Dave Rubin said something really interesting, which just brings me to what you were saying. He said, government's really good at fixing up things they've messed up in the first place. For government to fix up the depression, the uh, get people's mind right, um, the problem is, though, they're the ones that created the headache, so to speak, in the first place. You think it's like going to a cannibal and saying, please don't eat me, become a vegetarian. And I think you make a good point. We can't look to others to help us in all ways. So mm. the government isn't able to, they can put in, in practice some, some policies to help. They can definitely um, fund and, and, and um, assist with, I guess, supporting the, the mental health industry. But we have to be willing ourselves to put up our mm. hand and say, do you know what? I need help. And I'm seeing more and more of that. I'm seeing more men come forward. I think it's easier for women to say within our own circles, within our group of friends, you know what, I need some support. But especially for men, um, there's still that old uh, stiff upper lip mm. attitude of, you know, just get on with it. And, and certainly I've seen the consequences of that. So we need to start to normalize putting our hands up and saying, I'm not doing okay I just need some assistance. I need someone to listen. Mm. Basically, that, that's really what a lot of people need. They need someone to, to understand what they're going through so they can process it themselves. Government responses to the pandemic have had a, a devastating impact on citizens, including on the mental health of the young and the very young. What's your experience of this in Australia? Yeah, so um, my mum is in, in um, the mental health uh, support service. She works for a support service and they have been inundated with calls. I think Beyond Blue registered a 30% increase um, in August of calls. Um, Lifeline said that they had their busiest month ever since they've been operating for almost 60 years back in August. Um, we know, we can see that we have a problem. We can see that um, especially that the younger generations are being affected and we need to do something. It has to uh, become centre stage because the consequences of this, again, will only build. It will snowball and it will create an avalanche. So we need to start thinking about what are the policies that we need to put in place now? What are the support services? Mm. And again, how to normalise saying, I don't feel okay today. 
I need some help. Mm. Um, I've unfortunately been touched by, um, in the last few months, suicide, friends of friends, no one in my close circle, but friends of friends who um, have taken their own lives and four of them in the last few months under the age of 30. Mm. It's terrible. And, and I know I'm not the only one. I know that there are Australians watching this now saying, yeah, I know someone who's, who's done the same, who's decided to take their own lives because of the pressures that they've felt in the last um, 18 months. Australian governments are demonising Aussies who are not yet vaccinated, uh, including one. Um, but one day my father will stop calling me every day to make sure I've had the vaccine. Uh, some are threatening to shut out the unvaccinated out of the economy. Even not only the economy, from the families, from your friends, from your social group. And that's just with the government alone. They're going to say you can't become a member of society until mid to late 2022, which brings to, to my mind a whole bunch of questions. However, civil unrest may increase. How will this impact on mental health outcomes? What's, what's the, the scenario in, say, maybe mm. in your mind? Well, I think it's very short-sighted because we know that it will have a great impact on mental health. We are already experiencing the consequences of the last 18 months and it will only get worse, and the government knows this. Um, I also have to say, though, if that is the case, that it's only, let's say, till mid-2022, that freedoms might be restricted for the unvaccinated, and that is even a question, Mm. really. can we wait it out six months or, you know, eight months? Can we wait another little while? Because ultimately they know that this can't work. They know that they can't shut out a significant portion of the population from day-to-day life. And they're just forcing the agenda until as many people can be coerced and then they will stop, just like it happened in the UK. The UK did the same. They threatened with vaccine passports and now that they've reached a certain uh, target, it's all. It's basically hands off. They've removed almost all restrictions. There's no talk about a vaccine passport. Mm. And while, and I'll be fair, I want to pr- present a balanced view. The government has said that if um, the health services are under strain, uh, the, the hospital system, that they will reintroduce restrictions over the winter. In general, in in Europe, when um, in winter time, we we do see a spike in in all sorts of illnesses, mm. but. Uh, they've said that they are just watching the healthcare system and this is all that they are going to um, uh, make decisions around. So I'm hopeful and I think that this is what the Australian government will be forced to do as well. I, I'm a bit on the other side. I think the, uh, they give you that taste that candy. Mmm, pretty good. Ah, you can't have the candy. <laughs> yes, you can have no, no more. And I think that's maybe what's happening, in my opinion, what's happening with uh, the UK because it's funny how little stories start to sneak out. Oh, there's a new variant. It's even more contagious. Mm. So most, if it's more contagious than the one we have now, it, you'll probably get it over the airwaves or on the telephone. I mean, because it, how could it be any more than it is now? But it's really scary, but it's okay. Mm. So they bring these things in bit by bit. And I think with Australia, the same thing, bit by bit by bit, and then take it away from you. And before you know it, it's a sort of like this uh, propaganda on steroids or almost brainwashing. You get used mm. to the, the lockdowns and the government meandering with your life. So maybe, yes, maybe there's another scenario on the other side that if government, and look at SAGE in, in the UK, 
uh, a bunch of psychologists yeah. who should have visited one, uh, they actually, you know, they, they told the government, if, if you don't scare them at the start, really scare them next time. I mean, give me a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, so do we have government playing games with people's lives and society and the future, basically, of mankind? Do you know what? I think that's nothing new. I mm. think, you know, my great-grandmother would have said the same, you know, and, and our great-great-great-grandparents would have said the same. Whoever is in power wants to consolidate and have more power. Um, and and <laughs> Lord of the Rings, I think that was a, a, almost like a documentary rather than a film because you can see that when power is coalesced and into uh, one place, it becomes very dangerous and, mm. it, and, and it begins to um, corrupt so this is nothing new. Again, I come back to what can I do for myself mm. to stay grounded, level-headed, to be informed and take action where I can, but also to know that this can't last. We won't we won't be in the same place. Yes, it may take time, but this simply cannot last. There are enough of us who see what's happening. It's crystal clear. We're not the only ones, you and I. That's why you have such a high, um, uh, I was going to say readership, uh, um, you have a community who is aware and who's listening and following uh, what's going on around the world. And it's not a small number of people. Mm. We cannot stay locked out of the economy for that long. But it, <laughs> it, it simply it, can't work. It's easy to say, though, as you're uh, Climbing mountains with sound of music was shot, singing yodel, that sort of stuff. I mean, you have a, you mean, you're sort of cut off from, from Australia in many ways because you're living, I mean, you're almost living the dream, even though it's not your country. Mm. Uh, you have, you know, relatives there and you, you're feeling quite comfortable. So reality for here now. is, yeah, reality, yeah, it's all right for now, good change very quickly. Yeah. But here in Australia, especially with summer, you know, I mean, we expect, you know, because we're outdoors, you know, virus, inverted commas, doesn't like the outdoors. And, um, but no, they're going to still lock you up if they can. We've had a case on the Gold Coast. Now, when this goes to where, it may be uh, fixed up, but we've had one case. And uh, mm-hmm. I can see them, you know, Anastasia and, uh, um, and Mrs. Young frothing at the mouth, wanting to uh, bring in another lockdown just for the good old days. So I, I just sort of, you know, my view is a little bit different, but I do hope. I do want to get back to how it, how it used to be. No one talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. Look, you've got a background in banking. Uh, many of us see the vaccine passport as a means to introduce digital identities and ultimately digital currencies. Issues of privacy and government control are of concern, especially for those who are less affluent. What's your thoughts on a rapid inter- introduction of, say, the measures under the cover of the pandemic to bring in the digital ID, digital currency, and basically control. Again, I'll just say I don't think this is anything new, mm-hmm. and we need to inform ourselves and to take action where we can. So in, in regards to the digital identity bill, that package is now in phase three consultations, which means that all citizens can have a say. Um, if you go to the website, the government website, if you just look up digital identity bill, um, you can submit your your feedback. I think it's really important because we live in a legal system in which silence or no response can be implied as consent. And now, now is the time to speak up. We need to use our voices. We need to remember that it's not just at the ballot box that we vote, that it's also... Um, uh, 
with our money and with these these um, submissions and feedback and, and protests, we need to remember that we still have a choice and we can stand by a choice. We still have uh, the right to, to protest and to have our, our voices heard. Um, this issue of privacy is not new. Mm. It has been around for, for well, since we've been around. Um, and I and I also think it's not just those who are, who are less well-off who are feeling this. It's everyone. Everyone knows that there is something going on here that, again, doesn't feel right. Given the data and the statistics on deaths mm. versus recoveries, something just doesn't make sense. It doesn't pass mm. the pub test, does it? No. No, it doesn't. And look, I at the beginning, you know, that we were awash with information and we didn't know really what the story was at the start last year. This could have been the next plague. It mm. could have taken down one in two people and so everybody was worried. But as time went on, we started to see before the vaccines were rolled out. So March, April this year, I had a look at the statistics, world statistics on deaths. And it showed that under 70s who, who were healthy without any um, risk factors or co- comorbidities, they had a survival rate of 99.6 or 7%. Mm. 99.7% recovery rate. And yet we started seeing this, uh, this vaccine being rolled out as if it was the plague. And frankly, I thought, what am I not seeing here? So again, I dug through the data because I wanted to make that decision. Also coming over to Europe, I thought, do I need to vaccinate myself? Because Mm. perhaps it is more dangerous than than I initially suspected. Again, I ran through the data and I saw that as a young person who is healthy, my chances of recovery are almost 100%, Mm. almost 100%. Why would I do this? So coming back to your point, there is something amiss here and privacy has been a concern for a long time. Again, informing oneself and taking action where we can is what we need to do. Mm. Uh, And then really go and enjoy the mountains or go and enjoy the beach. You know, we have to do this for ourselves. Mental um, health is tied in with our, it's holistic, it's well-being. Mental mental well-being and physical well-being go hand in hand. If we're constantly stressed in a state of anxiety, this affects our biochemistry. We know this, Mm. you know, it's scientifically proven which affects our immune system. So we're actually (laughs) making it uh, worse for ourselves if we're in a state of constant anxiety and stress. You're in uh, Switzerland where it's getting fairly cool now. Uh, In Australia, it's getting fairly warm. The only blessing is if you hate the cold, um, well, you've got to suck it in and and, uh, think of us poor guys here having to go to the beach, which is a tough thing to do, (laughs) and uh, display our pure white our pure white bodies, which is not so nice. That's another, that's another story and a very horrible story too. <laughs> Christine, look, it's been a great chatting with you. Is there any way somebody could find out more about what you do? Sure, I do have a website. I can be found on LinkedIn and I have a website. It's christinacar.com. That's K-A-R at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy for people to reach out if they want to take this conversation further. Mm. I think it's really important. Again, it's really important we take care of our own mental health and those around us and know that we can do so much and then we also need to go and enjoy the beach.
Yeah, that's right. And uh, maybe a couple of beers thereafter. But as you said, not too many. Uh, Christina, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Did you know that over 45% of Australians will experience mental illness in their lifetime? That's nearly half of us. Everything feels flat and I don't sleep and don't I feel ashamed. Mental ill health devastates lives and families and costs Australians around $60 billion a year. Research and treatment expenses continue to rise, yet rates of mental illness indicate that we're losing the battle. New approaches are urgently needed to address this immense suffering and cost. Psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy is currently being trialled worldwide and has demonstrated remarkable promise in treating depression, anxiety, addiction and post-traumatic stress disorder, with new trials underway for treatment of dementia and anorexia. The treatment combines a short program of psychotherapy with just a few medicinal doses of psilocybin or MDMA. In the 1950s and 60s, psychedelic treatments had a major impact in psychiatry, and many considered it the next big thing in mental health treatment. But for political reasons, the Nixon administration criminalised the use of psychedelics and effectively stopped all research. That research has finally begun again. With proper clinical support, psychedelic treatments are safe and frequently lead to remission after only a short program and even where current treatments have failed. Here at Mind Medicine Australia, we believe everyone should have access to the best treatments for mental illness. We will seek to establish best practice in regulated psychedelic-assisted treatment. Mind Medicine Australia is wholly focused on the clinical application of psychedelic medicines. We're preparing for change by developing therapist training, ethical guidelines, a centre of excellence in psychedelic medicine, educational material and events, and supporting clinical research. We're a small organisation doing big things, and we need your support. Please share this video and visit our website to support us and get involved.